Yeah. All right. Good morning. Good morning. There's some seats available now. Please, everybody, find some seats. Anybody excited about the word this morning? Oh, man, this is good stuff. You ready? Father, we need you this morning. God, I just ask that your word, Father, would go forth. Remove me and remove the listener from being a hindrance, Lord God. Let your word flow, Lord God. The testimony of your word, God, let it reach us, touch us, change us, transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I like to start with a quote. Here's a a quote for you this morning. Grace is the pleasure of God to magnify the worth of God by giving sinners the right and power to delight in God without obscuring the glory of God. Grace does not grant permission to live in the flesh. It supplies power to live in the Spirit. Grace is the love that stoops down to the lowest level, then rescues, delivers, and sets Free Family, I want to talk to you this morning about the love and mercy and grace of God. Amen? In a message titled, Nothing to Hide. Nothing to Hide. I want you to know, this is going to be a little different today. We, we, we've taken a couple of weeks to deal with this series titled, Risking Church. Before we move on and tackle another book in the Bible, as we've been doing for a few years, If you've been with us a while, you know we'll just grab a book in the Bible and we'll go from beginning to end as long as it takes. We we did Genesis for about a year and a half, and it was awesome. We we, we learned, I mean, you grow in the Word. That's, That's important, and that's, for the most part, what you'll hear here at this church. But occasionally we feel it's time to... We need to take a pause, kind of, and not not share the Word, but kind of share what the Word has done. Amen? So that's kind of today. We really felt this is a crucial time to do a special series like this again, because, you know, when we work through an entire book of the Bible, the heart of God comes through with the same goal and the same purpose. And that goal and purpose is that you and I would walk in the will and favor and love of God. Amen? That we as a body make up the church and that the church of God should be the light of the world. And that we as individuals and as a body would be a sanctuary for the presence of God. So that when people encounter us, they would see God. Do you understand where this is where we're going with this? When people encounter a man or woman of God, they should see God. See, if, 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 if we were real Christians, if we would walk around like real Christians, and, and this is, I'm not beating you up, I'm saying us. Amen? I'm saying all of us. If we would really walk the way God called us to walk, then people would experience God wherever they experienced us. Amen? The problem is we have too many insecurities and too, we, we're wearing too many masks and we got to cover up and hide behind so many different things that, that, that it, it's a challenge, amen? But what we're trying to do here is that so we can build a community where we can risk being fully known so that as a community of believers we would have nothing to hide, amen? Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity. For there the Lord bestows His blessing. When brothers live in unity, 
God's blessing flows. It's, it's just that simple. And family, I believe that's something at the core of every believer. There's a, there's a seed in us for this, that if we can get past all the nonsense and deal with all the insecurities and all the past pain and the past abuse that we've experienced, if we can find the space, if we can build a place, if we can create a sanctuary where we can risk being known, risk being who we are, and yet at the same time have the feeling that we're fully accepted, then we've done something, amen? Not because we're good enough or right enough or rich enough or clean enough or got it together enough, but because the Spirit of God is with us, and, and that creates where the Spirit of God is, there's freedom. There's liberty. So family, that's real church, and I'm, I'm committed to being just that. But why do you think it's so difficult? Why is it so hard to just come to church and love each other? You know, I, 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 me and my wife talk about this all the time. I say, How come people can't just come to church and like love each other and be real? But like real lovely, not real nasty or real grimy or real, or real, or real, or, you know, you fill in the blanks. You guys know, right? Why can't we just come to church and just be real and just love each other? What hinders us from doing that? That's a great question. I'm glad you guys asked that. And what I like to try to do today is, is answer that question as best as I can. And I want to leave you with a few pictures and a story or two that might help you see things in a different light. And the way I want to do that is I want to share my experiences with you. I can't talk about everybody else. I can talk about what's happened in my life. And I'd like to, I know there's a lot of new people here, that, some people that are, that are just new to our, to our family, to our community. And I believe you should know who we, who, who the leaders, are. you should know a little bit about us. Amen? And so what I'd like to share with you today is a little bit of my experiences in answer to that question, why is it so difficult for us to come together and just love each other? I grew up in Manhattan. And growing up in Manhattan, you see a lot of things, right? You see all kinds of people. And I've always been a people watcher. I don't know about you, but I'm that entrometido in the train that if you're talking loud, I'm all in your conversation. When my wife is with me, she always tells me, stop staring. Stop staring. I can't help it. I said, listen, if you want to talk loud and be old, then you will have no right for privacy. I could be in your business, right? Because you, you want to tell your boyfriend all this crazy stuff on the phone and you're going back and forth. Well, I don't know. You're acting all ghetto. I'm all in there. I'm like... I've always been a people watcher. You know, I watch people and I'm amazed by that. You know, I find it... Anyway. So in Manhattan... There was a group of people that I, that always, I was always amazed by them. And that was the religious Jewish community. Right? There's a lot of temples and a lot of synagogues. And, and these people, you know, the people I'm talking about, they're, 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 they're Hasidic Jews, the, they're, um, you know, full garb. They had the black hat and the black coats and the, and the, and the, the sideburns, and they follow the letter of the law, everything that the, the Word says that they're supposed to have, they have. And it's, and it's amazing. And I was always fascinated by it. the little strings hanging from the side, their prayer. I mean, everything, it, it means something, and they all have it. And I used to, I look at them and I say, man, I, those, those people are so devout, man. They must be so communion with God to, to be that dedicated that in 90 degrees, I'm wearing a black coat and black, you know, with, and, 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 and we're in, you know, a tank top saying, are you serious? 
But, and so I always had this, this fascination with them. I said, man, those, they really, really love God. They must be so close to God. And then one day, I went to a store downtown that they own, and they, it's run by the, the, the Jewish community. And a lot of them were outside the store. And for the first time in my life, I, they were outside taking a break, and I saw them smoking, some of them. I was, I can tell you, I was blown away. I don't know how, you know, what that did to me. I was blown away. I said, not that smoking is this big unpardonable sin, but I, I understand I just didn't see someone like that doing something like this. And then as I grew, as I drew closer, I was probably being in Trometeo again, like all in their business. And I noticed some of them were, I, and, and then I heard some of them cursing. And that floored me. I said, how, how can these be, be who they are and, and, and have, and, and please, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, don't miss the point. I'm sure there are many of them that love God more than you and I, and, and I'm not talking bad about them or their community. It's just, I'm just saying what I thought was, it was a real shock for me because I thought to see even one or two of them doing something like that other than walking in the love and power of God for me was a shock, right? And so I learned some things by watching this, this, this experience. I learned that you could be religious and not be right. I learned that you could look the part and not be the man. I learned that on the outside, you could have on the right clothes. You could be from the right family. You could be, from the, be taught the right history. But, but not be doing the right thing. Amen? So, so church, understand, I, I, I want to be a pastor. I don't want to look like a pastor. Amen? I want us to be the church. I don't, I don't want this to look like a church. I don't want to put a, a fake steeple on the warehouse and say, look, that's a church now because it has a steeple. You know what I'm saying? I want, I want, I want to be, this to be a real church. And in order for us to risk church, we're going to have to deal with everything that we've been taught to believe church was. And so we're going to have to deal with our misconceptions and our, our preconceptions and the things that we, that, we, that, that we thought was supposed to be a certain way. And that's a tough one be, for us because, like I shared with you, I had different ideas of what the real church was. And what, you know, my, I had different experiences with church. And that was my Jewish experience. And then I, I, I grew up in Catholic school. And so I went to Catholic school, first grade all the way through, right? And, and in Catholic school, you know, they forced you to go to, to, to go to service and to go to mass. And I was an altar boy. You know, I wanted to be an altar boy because that gets you out of class every time somebody died. So every time you heard the announcement, come on, hey, who, any, who was done with that? There's a couple of you. There you go. Every time you heard the loudspeaker, the principal interrupt, you praying that somebody died because that means they needed altar, altar boys and so you get to cut math class or whatever. So I, I, I was, I was, so an altar boy, that means you had to put on the robe, and I got to be kind of a little bit like them, because, you know, they had the garb on, and so I got to have a garb on too, even though mine was just white, and they had, you know, all the other stuff. But what I learned from that experience was that it, it, in the Catholic Church, there's this incredible reverence for God. And that's a great thing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the things that we get away with here would never fly, in, in a, right, Amen. Amen? There's a reverence for God in the Catholic Church. You walk into that building and you feel there is a reverence here. You know you don't pull the kind of stuff that you guys pull here, right? 
You know, like walking in when the pastor's preaching and, and, and saying what's up to everybody in a row. What's up, bro? Yeah, what's going on? Yo, how's the wife? The kids good? All right, man. All right, y'all, man. Hook up with you after, bro. All right, later, later. All right. And then sit down in the middle of worship. In the mid- you understand? That would never fly, right? It would, in the reverence in, in the Catholic Church. In the Catholic Church, I don't know about you, but you never got up and went to that. I don't think they had bathrooms. Did they? I've never been to a bathroom. I guess I was never allowed to. But I've never seen a bathroom. In the, there's definitely not a sign that says restroom. They don't care that you don't go there. You go at home or you go when you, when you leave. Right? There's just a, you just wouldn't get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of it. There's a reverence. But, but, but here's the problem, though. That's an awesome thing, the reverence. And I wish that we could have a little more of that reverence for the presence of God. But that reverence taught me that I could never be close to God. Again, this is my experience. This is not, doesn't have to be yours. This is my experience. That, that reverence taught me that I could never approach God. Even working as an altar boy, I, I realized there were sections in the back, because I got to go in the back as an altar boy, so you get a little further back than you guys would, you know. But even there, there were certain parts that I couldn't go past, certain curtains, where they would keep the, the body of, you know, the Eucharist and all that. And, and so even there, I felt... So even though I was on the end, I still wasn't on the end. I still felt like there was a separation between me and God. And that reverence kind of taught me that I could never approach God. And then I was also taught by doing the sacraments, maybe some of you did this, especially confession, for instance, I learned that depending on how bad I was, depending on what bad things I did, I would have to pray a certain amount of time. Anybody with me? So, so I, I was taught that prayer wasn't communicating with God. Prayer was punishment. So, I don't know about you, but it, me and my boy, you know, we would race to the altar to say, see who can say three Hail Marys and two Our Fathers faster than anybody else, and then bounce forgiven. So prayer was punishment. So coming from this background, I, I never learned that I could approach God. I never learned that I could go. I was always taught I had to speak to Mary. I had to speak to this saint for that and this saint for that. I needed a laundry list to know which one I needed to go to for what. Right? And I, so I never felt like I could approach God. I never felt like God would be close to me, that God could come near to me. And I never thought that I can pray to communicate with God. Prayer, prayer to me was, I passed a note to, to David, David passed it to this one, this one passed it to this one, and then it got to Jesus, and then Jesus would pass it down, and by, by, and by the time it got to me, I got a bicycle when I asked for a car. You understand? It? You, played, you played the thing. I, I never know that I can communicate right to God and, and worship. I never even knew what worship was. Worship was, was I never learned that. You know, that was something that just was missing for me in there. And now, now, church, this was elementary school. You can say, what the heck does that have to do with us now? But it does, doesn't it? We bring all of that. We, we come here with all of that. Everything that we learned growing up, you could be a 50-year-old sitting here today and still have the understanding that you can never be close to God because you learned that growing up. You can still have the understanding that, that you don't, the only time you pray is because of, you're punished. 
And so that, that'll shape your Christian walk real, real quick. The only time you pray is when your prayer is punishment. It's not communicating. So that means you're never speaking to God and you're never listening to God. That could shape the way we do things. Amen? And then, and then you know, when, when, when you decide to follow God, you, you have to live feeling guilty for everything. Anybody carried that for a while? Everything was guilty. I was never good enough. I could never measure up enough. I could never and, and, and just be feeling guilty all the time. And, and these experiences still keep people today from pressing in, from experiencing God. Church, we have to battle these misconceptions with truth because the Word says God is close to you. Amen? Proverbs 18.24 says, There is a man that sticks closer than a brother. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than he would lay down his life for his friend. Amen? So, now later on, fast forward, I hit my late teens. And in my late teens, man, I went through some certain things that, that, that left me searching for God. And I wanted to, to get close to God. I wanted more than the stuff I had seen already. And so, I would, if I would meet a Buddhist, I'd go to the Buddhist house with him. And I want to sit and watch him. You know, and, and so I went, I remember I went to a Buddhist guy, he, he took me to his house and he showed me his temple. And, 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 and the Buddhists in their houses they have, they set up a prayer temple, you know, a prayer place to pray. And, and, and there's the law, kind of a scroll on the wall in this temple. And, and so he told me, just kneel here and pray. And so we prayed and he repeated the same prayer again and again and again with a set of beads. And I said, what are you praying? And he told me that prayer means dedication to the mystic law of cause and effect. And I said, that's awesome. What's the mystic law? And he said, that's the mystic law right there, the, the scroll. And I said, wow, man, what does the mystic law say? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> Serious. I'm not joking. He said, I don't know. I said, but it's written. It's Chinese or whatever it is. But you can surely, you know, that's your thing. Read it. <laughs> He said, no, it's written in such an ancient dialect that most, you know, can't read it. I said, so I'm sitting here praying to a piece of paper that we don't know what it says? Later. And so I was searching for God, and, and, and you know, I wanted to know God for real, you know. And that led me into a bad road. I shouldn't say bad road because it eventually got me here, amen? <coughs> that led me into cultic practices. And that led me into Santeria and Espiritismo. And because of my Hispanic background, I thought this is what Spanish people do. This is church for Spanish people. And then because of the things I had learned in Catholic church, the saints were all over the place. So Espiritismo taught me now that these saints, I went from, from sitting in a place surrounded by saints to speaking to the saints and having the saints speak to me and guide me and lead me. And, and offering them candles and fruit and money. And, and they were leading me, and, and you know, I, like I said, I thought this is what Spanish people did. I thought this was our culture, and, and, and so that, that, I, that, that shaped what I thought the church was supposed to be for me, and that shaped my role as a member of the church. So I was told early, I was a young, young man, and I was told, man, you have God given, I was set apart. God has set you apart, and God has given you gifts to be a spirit medium. And what kid doesn't want to hear that, right? Word, I got gifts, and I can do things with power in the spiritual. Now, this is breakdancing. That's not spiritual, but, but you understand what I'm saying. I was doing that too, but that's a whole nother. 
So there I was taught that spiritual warfare was a religion of fear. Because I have to tell you, for an entire year I barely slept a night. Every night I was fighting spiritual battles, battling demonic oppressions, seeing things in the room, beds shaking, things moving every single night. I would wake up sweating, more sweating than I'm preaching. And, and I would battle, and I thought, all right, God, this is what you want for me. And why did I think this is what God wanted for me? Why? Because I was following what other people told me to believe. I was believing what other people believed. And I never read the word for myself. That's key. I never read the word for myself. So in the midst of this cult life and in the middle of being all of this, and, and I had already been baptized and I was about to do the next, you know, there's next things until you, you get to certain levels. And when you get to a certain level, you realize that this is totally demonic and you're definitely dealing with dark arts. And this isn't white magic anymore like, like the Hispanics like to say. This is... You know, Mesa Blanca. No, it's wicked. It's wicked. I don't care what color the table is. It's wicked. You have to understand that, my Hispanic people. It's wicked. And so, so you know, I, I went from, from, from there to, to I was going to, you know, pro- progress and, and, and go further. And then in the middle of this, I started dating this little Christian, you know, girl that had a little Christian background. I happened to have this girlfriend who had a Christian grandma from a little Spanish Pentecostal church in the Bronx. Uh-oh, that's right. And then even being around those people at a time had an effect on me. I, I would have to, you know, go and visit grandma a couple times here and there, so we'd have to go into the little Spanish Pentecostal church. Needless to say, my hair was even longer back then. You know that that does not fly in a Spanish Pentecostal church. I had an earring. You know that that does not fly in the Spanish. So I learned a lot of things even in this Pentecostal church in the Bronx. I learned being around these people that, that, that women can't wear pants. I learned that women shouldn't wear makeup. I learned that, that to be a real Christian, you had to go to church four or five times a week to be a real Christian. I learned that, that, that Sunday service was, was about three or four hours in the morning, followed by a dinner break, followed by another three or four hours in the evening. Come on, if you grew up in that, let me give me a holler. Say, Santo! To be a real Christian, you, you, Sunday service had to be six, seven hours. That's when the spirit's getting warmed up, up in here. So, well, then, you know, that, that taught me that I had to take out my earring, that my hair was always too long, and, and, and that taught me that I could never really measure up to this place, to the place where they were with God. And, and, and here's, you know, I, I said these people were just way too holy for me. But I didn't say that sarcastically because I knew that they were doing something right. I'm joking about it, but they were doing something right because in that place, I felt the power of God like nowhere else I had ever been. So I knew the Spirit of God was there. I knew God was moving there, but I just felt like I could never measure up. As a matter of fact, it was three hermanitas from that little Spanish Pentecostal church that God used to save my life one night. They were coming out from one of those 16-hour prayer days, you know. 
And it was, it was a Friday night. I was about to head to the centro. I was dressed in white. I had my beads, my collales. I was ready to go and be a medium, right? Like I had done every Friday night. And, and, and these ladies, you know, they, they, they came and, and that night I was set free and delivered from Espiritismo, from saints, from Negros, from Santos, from Indios, from all that nonsense. And, and I'll let you know that that night was the very first night, the very first night that I slept in peace. Why? Because God does not give us a spirit of fear. Why? Because the battle is the Lord's. Amen. So for the first time in, in a year, I slept in peace. God literally scooped down and rescued me. I became a Christian. I decided to, not right after, I still had to learn some hard lessons. I'm just kind of shrinking it up. But I, I decided to follow him. I started reading the Word. I started studying. I learned about worship. I learned about prayer. By the way, I married that little girlfriend. <laughs> we've, been, we've been married. She was a keeper. We've been married for about 23 years now. But even as a Christian now, I still had a lot of learning to do. Amen? All of the experiences that we've had follow us and shape the way we walk our Christian walk today. Why do you think some of us are so hard on ourselves? Why do you think we feel the way we do? Some of us walk around guilty, beating ourselves up. Others wear masks to church for a season, but eventually give up because they feel like they can never measure up to the measure of their own expectations that they've created. Anybody done that? Some wear masks because they think they could get through by hiding the experiences that they've had and they could look the part, but, but, but don't look in their closet because they've got a walk-in closet of, of skeletons that they're dealing with on a daily basis, right? So we still have to learn even as Christians. And, and, and church, I, I don't know about you, but I keep learning. I'm always growing. I want to keep learning and growing. So I, I, I'm not a reader. I, I tell all my leaders that. Leaders are readers. I've never been a reader, but I read, man. I, I, I force myself to read. Awesome thing is I use this little device now, so it doesn't feel like I'm reading a book. You know, you don't have to measure that fat book and see how far you've gotten on this device, you don't see that, so you just keep flipping pages. Before you know it, you finish the book, and, it, and you feel like a real smart man, right? <laughs> so I just finished reading a book by Max Licato. Man, I love the way this man writes. The book is titled Grace, More Than We Deserve, Greater Than We Imagine. And I want to take an illustration that I read from this book, and I want to leave you with a visual that I hope that you would never forget. I'm not going to do puppets. It's just a, just get in there. <laughs> See, because of our, our, our experiences, right? And, and, and all the things that have shaped our life and, and the way that we see God and the way we experience God and the things that we've learned and the way we've, you know, we've grown. What, what we tend to do is we, we decide there's a line. Right? And there's this, there's this line that we decide, that we determine, and each of us have this line in a different place, right? And, and this is the line of acceptance. This is the line of salvation. Okay? And so, picture the I know you do it, because we all do it, right? And so, we, we live our lives... 
You know, when we first come to Christ, man, our life is, is here, right? And we go up high. We go, yeah, man, we went to church and we, we're in these highs and we're doing great. And we feel like, yeah, I'm above the line of salvation. So right now I'm saved. Right? I'm a Christian. This is the Christian line that we draw. Everybody has it in a different place. Right? And you say, man, I, I'm doing real good today, man. I went to church. I'm, I'm, man, this is the first, wow, amen, I'm going up higher. And then you say, oh, man, but then I left and I still went back. Whoa, I fell. Right? Anybody? And so, whoa, I'm in the low again. And you say, all right, man, I got to, oh, man, but then I was down here and I went even lower. I said, oh, man, then I, you know, sometimes when we blow it, we just want to keep blowing it, and we, like, just keep going. And then, you know, then something happens, man, and we have a high. We're like, yeah, yeah, we're climbing up. No, we fell again. No, then, yeah, we're doing the right thing. Good. Amen. Whoa, I'm on the salvation line again. I'm good. Anybody? You have these highs and these lows, right? And, and you do good, you know, and, and in these highs, you know, you think God loves us. And in the lows, you think, man, God's angry at me. Anybody live like that? Oh, God's angry at me again. Oh, I did. God read the word today. Amen. Whoa. I gave a, a homeless guy all of my change today. Whoa. Oh, it was like 67 cents, man. I had a pocket full. I just gave it to him. I didn't even think about it. Woo. God is pleased with me today. Right? And, and we, we go through life, you know, and then, oh, I came to church. I came to church two Sundays in a row. That's off the charts. That's off the charts, man. I'm climbing. I'm, I should be the pastor of this place, right? You're like, Shh. I'm like right there with the pastor. Me and I'm just sharing the word, talking about life and God, right? And then, oh, well, I fell again. Oh, man. I saw that girl again and I fell. Oh, man. I called her. Oh, man. I texted her. Oh, man. I should have stopped looking, but I turned around again. Oh, man. And, and we go through life thinking, listen, we, the, our biggest fear, our biggest hope, rather, is that the day we die, we're in the high. Anybody, come on, anybody be honest. Right? If, if the day we die, if I get hit by a car today, like, like I know what most of you are thinking. If you run out of here today, you got a few minutes of good grace. You can run out, get hit by a car, and no, I don't care, I just left church. I tell the angel at the door, I died. Yeah, but where was I? 1469 St. Peter's. Look it up. Use the GPS. Google Maps. There's a church right there. I came out of church. Got hit by a truck. Glory, right? But, but our biggest fear, our biggest fear is that we would die here, right? Because what happens if we die in our lows? We think we better pack the suntan lotion, right? It's hot. It's, it's going to be bad, right? And so, you know, we, we live like this. We, we, if we're good, we go to heaven. and we're bad, man, we're going to go to hell. And, and we measure our performance according to our own goodness. Because remember, God didn't put this line there. You did. For some of you, it's up here. For some of you, you said, man, I can never be above that line. You, 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 maybe you did a lot of Catholic school. You know? For some of you, it's high. Some of you think you're cool and you set it real low. So listen, as long as I, you know, I stop crack, at least, you know, as long as I come to church once in a while, as long as I give, you know, whatever. And with this line is you, and, and we, we, we live our lives trying to, you know, measure and trying to be in, in, in this thing. And, and the bottom line is all the, while the truth is, 
if, if, if it was based on our, on our own measure of performance, can I be, tell you the truth? You would never be close to being above the line. Ever. On your good day. It could be that month that you hit church four Sundays. I know somebody passed out. Look at that. You can't, like four, oh, you're a fanatic. No, you're like a religious fanatic. You went to church four Sundays in that month, right? And, and it could be on your best month, that month you actually read through a book in the Bible. You shook all the dust off of that thing and you actually, you, you know, you actually used the downloaded a Bible app. I got two Bible apps. You know, whoa, I'm, I'm like another level Christian now, right? But the Word of God says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter where you think you are, here's where you really are if it was up to your own performance. So allow me to share a quick story from the Word of God from John chapter 8. And what I'm going to need is, is I'm going to need an impromptu drama team. This story, if you turn to John chapter 8, I promise I'm going to close with this. Just stick with me a minute because I really want you to get this, this visual. John chapter 8 is about the woman caught in the act of adultery. So I need, I need an actor, an actress. I need a woman caught in the act of adultery. Somebody, come on. Where's my drama team at? Where's the drama team? Let's go. Come on, run up, run up, run up. A woman caught in the act. All right, woman caught in the act of adultery. Here you go, this is yours. Woman caught in the act of adultery. Stay there. Okay, I need, I need, it says she was caught by a mob of religious leaders. I need a bunch of religious leaders. Come on. Up, up. Religious leaders, okay. Up, religious leaders, only women? Come on. What are you guys, what are you guys saying? Come on, Saul, let's go. Come on, I need a mob. Let's go, Bobby. You say you wanted to get involved? I throw you in the message, son. What could be better than that? What could be better than that? You're preaching now. All right. I need, I need, give me a couple more. Two more. Come on, I need two more. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Each of you grab two rocks. Two rocks. Grab two rocks. Each of you. Two rocks. They're acorns. I couldn't find rocks, so, you know, I just... This will have to do. Just, you know, imagine with me. Okay, so now all of you get to the back of the church. Get out of here. Go all the way to the back of the church. I'm going to tell a story. Thank you for playing. So, if you look in John chapter 8, we read that, that Jesus was in the temple again. Come on, Jesus. Jesus was in the temple again. We got the coolest Jesus, right? So, all right, right over there. You're in the temple. This is the temple. And, and, and a crowd had gathered around Jesus. We won't do the crowd. We don't have enough room. But imagine, right? Jesus is in the temple. Wherever he's at, a crowd gathers around him. So Jesus starts ministering. He does what he does. People come around him and he starts teaching. And so Jesus is doing a Bible study at the temple. The word tells us in John chapter 8. It's a really small story. And it says, somewhere in another part of town... You guys, what I want you to do is just be quiet, but mouth and do whatever the story says that you're doing, alright? Somewhere in the other part of town, these Pharisees somehow managed to catch this woman in the act of adultery. Think about this. Don't look back there. You're not going to see nothing nasty. They, they think about this. 
Religious leaders, they catch this woman in the act of adultery. Everybody knows what adultery is? This woman is... Right? You can imagine this woman is probably, what, wearing a lot of clothes right now? No, Beverly, take all your clothes off and just put that... No, no, just kidding. Stop. We're not, we don't have to go that far. But I want you to imagine this woman was caught in the act of adultery, so that means she's probably very naked. Right? And so these religious leaders, they grab her out of her house. Maybe the word, the story doesn't tell us, so we can just kind of try to imagine. Watch out, there's going to be a lot of mob running up and down the aisle there. So they catch this woman in the act of adultery. Maybe she was able to grab a bed sheet, and that's what that purple silk sheet is, right? And so, so the mob grabs her. The mob grabs her. Work with me, guys. And they drag her from the house. And slow, slow it down. And so they drag her from that part of town. Yeah, real slow, slow motion. And so you can, the story doesn't tell us any of this, but you have to kind of imagine what could be happening here, right? You, you have to understand, these men, they weren't interested in this woman's life. They don't want to hear any excuses from her. They're not concerned with her at all. They're dragging her through the streets. And look, mouth this, guys. They're probably calling her names, calling her a harlot. Mouth it. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get good help, man. So they're mouthing her. They're, and so what happens? Look, they just went through the streets. Everybody in the town probably knows that this woman was caught in the act of adultery. They see, they're calling her names. They're, they're belittling her. Can you imagine the humiliation? You imagine if I pulled one of you out and told everybody all your dirt and all your, right? In front of everybody, right? And so they went through the town and they bring her to Jesus. And they throw her in the middle of a Bible study that Jesus this is heaven. A pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> they end up at the temple in the middle of a Bible study that Jesus is giving. They throw her there in the middle. They interrupt Jesus as he's speaking. And they tell him, and everyone who's sitting there, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. And they tell her, right, you guys move a little over, you, guys, you come right here. They, they bring her to Jesus and, and they tell her, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says that she should be stoned and killed. Actually, the law of Moses says that her and the man should be stoned and killed. But notice they only found the woman. How she could be in the act by herself it's a whole other mystery, right? But, but, so they brought her, they caught her in the act. They, they bring in her to Jesus and they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to get him to say some things so that they can, they can, uh, you know, um, bring him to court and have something against him. So they tell him, Jesus, who, what, what do you say we do? She should be stoned. And the word says Jesus doesn't argue. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't say, where's the man? He doesn't even respond at first. The word says Jesus stoops down and he starts to write in the dust. And the awesome thing about that is that all the eyes are on this, this, this lady. All the eyes are on her. She's probably not really dressed. The Bible students are trying to, you know, they're going highs and lows right now because their minds are going. And, and everybody's thinking. And, and Jesus stoops down lower than they were, lower even than the woman was. 
Jesus stoops down. Max Lucado puts it this way. It's so beautiful. Jesus is prone to stooping. He stooped to wash the disciples' feet. He stooped to embrace children. He stooped to pull Peter out of the sea to pray in the garden. He stooped before the roaming whipping post with 40 lashes. He stooped to carry the cross. Grace is a God who stoops. And here, He stoops to write in the dust. Now it isn't recorded in the Scriptures what He wrote in the dust. But as he rode in the sand, they kept on badgering him. And they kept on asking him, what do we do with her? What are we going to do with her? The law says she should be stoned. The law says she should be killed. Finally, Jesus stands. And he takes a stand between the accusers and the accused. He says, then stone her. But let the man who's without sin throw the first stone. And then he stoops back down to write in the dust. And the word says that the, the, the yelling stops. And the yelling and the screaming and the questioning stops. And the word says that one by one they drop their stones. I hope that would be a little more dramatic. but <laughs> One by one they drop their stones and they start to leave. And once they're all gone, the Word says that Jesus takes a stand again. Only this time He faces the woman. And He says, where are your accusers? See, the Word calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. That's one of the names of the enemy. Jesus said, where are your accusers? Is there anyone left to condemn you? And she looks around and she says, Lord, there is no one. And so Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And she leaves. Now, all we know from this passage is that Grace took a stand against the accuser covering the sinner. That the same grace then took a stand against sin releasing the sinner. Church, we serve a God who stoops down. When we, when we come to Jesus, when we turn to God, hear this please, we, and decide in our hearts to follow Him, to be what He created us to be, to pursue His will, to pursue His ways for our lives, grace comes Grace comes and redraws the line. And grace draws the line under our lowest lows. Under our lowest lows. The, the, the part where we thought we were here and we're saved and we thought we're here, we're not saved. Grace comes and draws it under 
the lowest lows. Family, this woman has been caught red-handed in the act. She didn't have time to grab a mask. It was too late to hide anything. Here she was standing before God and the accuser with nothing to hide. And grace came and drew the line under her lowest lows. Grace didn't condemn her. Grace didn't shame her. Family, can we, can we be a people of grace? That kind of grace, that kind of grace, the grace that draws a line under people's lowest lows, the grace that can accept this, this story, this particular passage in the Bible, religious people hate this. Because it doesn't tell us that she repented. It doesn't tell us that she followed God. It doesn't tell us anything. It just says, he, he covered her and he says, then neither do I condemn you. Here's a woman caught, understand, she had no excuse. She's caught, and Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Church, what right do we have to condemn those that walk into the church that don't look like us, that don't act like us, that might not have it together, those, those that might still have to have a smoke before they come in the building, who cares? Those that might have a tattoo or, 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 or two. Those that, that, that might not carry the big study Bible like we do. Those that might not dress up special for church. What right do we have? Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. I believe that's the question that God is asking today. Can we accept that kind of grace? And then, in, in, because there's two things here. We can accept that kind of grace for us, but then can we give it away? Can we give that kind of grace away? Listen, right now, real quick, if you need to experience that kind of grace today, I want you to stand wherever you are. If you had these misconceptions, if, you, if you've, you've struggled with the things that we've talked about, and you said, I need to experience that kind of grace, uh, that kind of grace. I've lived uh, according to this line, and I thought when I was good, I was good, and when I was bad, I was bad. And all the while, God is saying, I loved you here, I loved you here, I loved you here, I loved you even here. I loved you here, I didn't love you anymore here. I loved you the same that I loved you here, I loved you here. And I just loved you. And then for the rest of us, if you're ready to remove the masks of self-righteousness, the masks of, of, oh, I thought, you know, this is right and I think that this is wrong. Well, you keep thinking that, but you keep reading and you keep learning and you keep growing in God and let God deal with that. Amen? So, if you're ready to remove the masks and actually stand between the accused and the accuser, and be grace to someone, would you stand? Worship team, you just can come.